Hi, and welcome to Suited Up, a positive podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Carly Grabber. Today, I'm joined by Sandy Mayer. Sandy is an artist whose specialty lies in watercolor and mixed media. Those who adore and follow her art journey on social media may even recognize a particular mouse who finds himself in many of her paintings, Wiston the Mouse, that is. And let's not forget her loyal pup, Otis, who's the star of her Instagram stories. In addition to her marvelous artwork, Sandy was a nurse for 35 years and found ways of showcasing and selling her art around her busy work schedule and raising three kids. Talk about managing a side hustle. (laughs) So if you've ever wondered, how can I juggle two careers as an artist or how do I make time for it all as a busy entrepreneur? This is the episode for you. Hi, Sandy. How are you? I'm great, Carly. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. This has been a long time coming. And I'm just thrilled to have someone to talk about watercolor and to talk about art on Vancouver Island. I'm thrilled. Me too. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So to begin, can you tell me a little bit about your art, describe it a bit. Where did that all start for you? I think if I were to dial it back, I think probably I come from a very long line of artists, creative Mm. people, and storytellers. And I also was lucky enough, I think, to have come from a family where mid-career changes also happened. And my dad was a civil engineer, trained as a civil engineer. He was an only child, and I think his immigrant parents thought, doctor, lawyer, engineer, that you, you, he wasn't going to be a writer, um, a journalist, and he always, always wanted to be. So I think married young. I was his third child, born a couple of days before his 25th birthday. And um, my parents were young, and I think that... My mother's creativity, because she was always doing something, and she worked outside the home in the 60s when women didn't do that. Mm. Uh, And again, I think I was lucky to come from that environment. And my dad always said that uh, for a a man to be married to a woman who had a job outside the home meant that he wasn't as strong as a provider as he could be. But my dad was very open and just said, I'd rather come home to a happy woman than an unhappy woman. There you so go. I felt lucky to have been raised in that environment. And my mom was too young to go into nursing and too tall to be a flight attendant. Too tall to be a flight attendant. I'm yeah. sorry. Can we yeah. just take a second? What? A why is that a rule? Yeah. Why? This is the first time as a very short woman that I'm hearing I have an advantage. Yeah. Well, you, you, she was too, she was five foot eight and she was too tall to, to, I guess, be in a plane. So... She, um, and it wasn't that she got married because of that, but I think she felt that her career choices, she, she worked as a uh, telephone operator, and I think uh, she was 19 when she got engaged and married to my dad, mm-hmm. and my dad was in school, and birth control being what it was, and I think they had three children in pretty short succession, but my mom went back to work and found a job as a, f- a fashion coordinator at Woodward's. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So she, so I was raised with that aesthetic and I was lucky enough, I think, she used to do fashion shows and not only did she model, but she was the, the fashion coordinator. So when she would do shows, she had that little cart with the clothes, you know. No and way. She, I would ride on the bottom of that cart <laughs> and go around the store. She picked out accessories. So I watched that design, I, I think, and that matching of clothes. And it was just part of my growing up. And my dad was a bit of a techie guy. So he would set up the, the music to her fashion show. So they actually were good collaborators. And it was my mother who said to my dad, you know, write, write what you know and wow. submit some of your articles to, to magazines. So he sent in, because he was a bridge builder, a, a designer. And uh, when he was making as much money at his writing as he was at his nine to five engineering job, he jumped ship. Really? And uh, became a writer full time. Wow. So. Yeah, so I came from that environment, I think, of doing what you love, being supported to be. And I think there was also that voice within my mother's generation that said, uh, you better be able to look after yourself. So she really encouraged my sisters and, and I to, and me to go back to school and make sure that we, we had an education and could provide for ourselves. Wow, so. that's so interesting. And I find it really interesting that at that time there was such a, fearlessness with switching jobs I mean yeah you know obviously it took some time until the income was what it was but oh I think when I think about it now he was probably in his 30s and I think I think also to his parents again who were the immigrant parents but my mother who was I think doing quite well financially working as the you know fashion coordinator for Woodward's and modeling and they still felt her job was a, a hobby Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's it's when I think about that culture now, it's all I knew. But when I think back now, I think it was very gutsy of my dad to do what he did, and he had the total support of my mom. And you know, he would do the music and the the side show for for her for her fashion shows. And uh, yeah, they worked well together. Wow. Yeah. So at what point then was it in your youth that you started doing your own art? Well, I'd have to say my sis- oldest sister, uh, three girls in the family, so three kids all in a row. Oh, it wow. was my oldest sister that my mom always said was born with a pencil in her hand. She didn't say that about you? No. I, I think if you were to say where's your influence, sometimes that influence can be a negative influence too because I, I never felt that I was as creative my, as my older sister. We were so proud of her. She was mm-hmm. just incredible. And she could draw a horse that looked like a horse all the things that you measure yourself against and not Mm. that she was measuring not that you know again my parents were very good about supporting our unique capabilities but she was just it was just crazy she would win awards for her art she would design the posters when she was in grade three for the elementary school she just was incredible so I think I thought she's got that dialed in and I'll never be as as good as that but I think the design, when I started out early, I would have to say sewing, fabric, my early days in my art career, if you want to s- dial it back to that, were in weaving. I took weaving and spinning and dyeing. It was the 70s. I macrameed everything in sight. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, just anything I could do with my hands, I think I, uh, but I never picked up a pencil or a paintbrush. That was Kathleen's, you know, domain, so not till later. 
So at what point did that shift for you? And did you decide, I'm actually really drawn to this art form and I do want to try it out for myself? Well, my sister Kathleen always bought me pencils and paintbrushes. She'd always say, if I can do this, you can do this. Oh. Um, But I think it wasn't probably until my 50s that I said, I think I'm going to take a watercolor course and I'm going to see where I go with that and I took every when I was raising my kids and working full-time as a nurse I took every community course in art available I took woodworking I took pottery I I just had an insatiable appetite to create and so I, I think that it took me until I got older that I said you know I think I I think it probably was maybe, can I illustrate a story? Can I draw a picture that can relate to a story? Probably. And then taking a sketchbook with me everywhere I went and just realizing you just have to keep at it. You know, just keep keep drawing. I used to optimize every spare minute of my life. You know, I used to make teddy bears and have them at work and be always sewing, always doing something. And uh, But I think I was always curious about drawing. I think I was always curious about paint. And I think that came back to, to the fabric, sewing. Can you move ink and, and color around on paper to make it, you know, appealing? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I actually took a watercolor class, and then I was lucky enough to go to France, which is where Wiston came to be, and took a class in watercolor. So uh, he, he started to show up in my in my sketchbook before I went. And was there anything that inspired it? Was it just like you had a dream, and suddenly there was a mouse? Because we have, we have, people, I have to say, we have a little Wiston figure in the room with us I feel very honored that you brought this like truly I'm like I couldn't resist I I think I also had to to say I think when we got talking about him I thought you know it will make more sense if you see him I think yes Um, but I think when I was drawing and I think he started to show up as a, a sketch in my sketchbook in about 2014 we had just come back from a family holiday and I was taking my sketchbook with me everywhere I went and I think the humorist in me or that thread of humor that came through our family and and through my dad because my dad's writing evolved sort of to be be a bit of a male Irma Bombeck you know I was lucky enough again to have somebody who who in our family there was lots of laughter and and it wasn't a laughing at it was laughing with Um, when things got really bad surely this there was humor in here somewhere that was also a sort of another gift I think and not that I minded things not being serious but I I he started to show up in my sketchbook and I think uh when I went to this course in France and I thought "Hmm, I'm going to be a few days without my sketchbook what am I going to do about that that's when I thought that was a real Elizabeth Gilbert you know big magic moment Mm. I I had to sew one of, of him so I took one of my old doll patterns and I think just reconfigured it and I don't think it was particularly I wasn't interested in having him be a man or a boy. There's, I don't think there was anything there. It just, to me, was a bit more of a giggle to have somebody that I could make pants for and sweaters for. <laughs> and uh, m- my that. first trip with him um, so that I could photograph him at the painting, painting class, it made more sense and seemed to be 
more interesting if he was in the picture mm. and on the trip than me. Here I am at the Eiffel Tower. I didn't really want to do that selfie, but putting him in the picture uh, was a little bit more humorous, I think, or more of a storytelling aspect to it. So, yeah. What do you feel like your relationship is with this character? Do you think that you see yourself in this character? Does this character remind you of like one of your kids? Like, what do you think? What do you think kind of when you put him in these photos, what's kind of your relationship to him, do you think? Well, I think it's a good question, and I've actually thought about it because I actually sometimes think it's a bit weird. But <laughs> I um, I thought, so what is he to me? Yeah. I think, so I've been asking myself that, and also what what's his message? Why is he here? And I, I, I do think that he is me. My voice is him. When I when we got our dog Otis I thought oh now what am I going to do with Whiston because now he's got a dog in his life I didn't really overthink it I thought a mouse can buy get a pet and it can be a dog and the story of him as he evolved when as he's come through because he's been around for six years when I was at home and I thought what would a mouse get as a pet I have a story in my mind of because we got a couple of fish because there's no reason why a mouse can't have a pet fish. I love that. And, no uh, reason, of course. And, and He's I, responsible. I thought my children are grown up. There's no reason why I can't get a fish as a pet. So the goldfish came into our life, and that was Finn and Phoebe, the goldfish. Oh, and there's been some stories along that because even one of the fish got gas bladder disease. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. And that's a thing. So one no of idea. the fish, I think it was Phoebe, ended up sort of looking kind of bloated and floating on the surface. Oh, no. And so I did a little research, and sure enough, it is called gas bladder disease. And a fish can't go down into the bottom of the tank to feed because they keep bobbing to the surface. Oh, no. So the treatment for it is crushed peas. If you get some frozen peas, put them in warm water. And this is the true story. I love this um, so much. Then you mash them up and feed them to the goldfish and the goldfish eats them and gets rid of the gas and hence they're cured so they can go down so this actually happened in our life so it was just a delicious story again for me to try and illustrate and say there's humor in this life is full of humor you know yeah this so uh i think he's here as my voice to sort of say let's you know life is you know there is humor in here for sure. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that now I'm doing work in marketing communications. And so I think all the time about branding, about how we communicate our message to our audience, to our clients. And something I've always noticed about how you've shown up on social media and how you've used it is that you're so good at consistent branding, which is actually quite rare and very, very effective. And mm. I think I mean, you obviously are true to yourself. You know who you are. And what's wonderful about what how you've used Whiston is that he can have all these adventures. Like he is this consistent character that kind of leads us through the journey of your art. And there's this beautiful kind of narrative with all of it. And storytelling is so important. I think it's very, very overlooked with branding. But I've always been very impressed about how you've shown up with your branding and with your art it's been really neat to watch from an outsider's perspective well and actually to be looked at and have that played back from 
to you as to what you're what you come across as is actually very interesting to me as an artist as well mm-hmm. because I'm not a rodent person I'm not really yeah. big on mice <laughs> and and I know my husband said to me at one point you know Mickey Mouse has been done you know <laughs> Uh, I thought I never even thought about the comparison at well, all. Well, and I just I, I'm not uh, I I just have tried not to overthink it. You know, he showed up. It was joyful for me when I made him to take him on this trip to France to use pull all the skills that I've had in the past to crochet little bags, make little I mm-hmm. mean, if you want to design a pair of shoes for a guy that doesn't have ankles, that to me was a challenge. So <laughs> His wardrobe grew, and when I was in France, I only had one sweater and one pair of pants with him, uh, for him, when I took him, and wouldn't you know, I put him into his shorts and t-shirt when I was going to the actual art class from another destination, which is another story, but he lost his his shirt and his pants in the back of this car that he was in. No! And, and lo and behold, the woman who was giving me the ride, it showed up in her little cup holder a, a couple of months later. These You're little kidding! Miniatures. So she actually mailed him back his shirt and his pants. So it's a little bit like life imitates art and mm-hmm. art imitates life. And I find when I pull him out, if I'm somewhere, he, he gives people something that is even something I'm probably not aware of. So again, I'm not a mouse person. This is not sponsored by Disney. something, anything. I just think it just came out of, and his name, because I traveled in France with this mouse that had, didn't have a name, everyone kept calling him this little petite sweetie, which is little mouse. But uh, so when I got home, I thought he's got to have a name because I think he's here for a while. Yeah. And that's actually when I had another one of those just lightning bolt moments mm-hmm. and the name Wiston came to my and my I husband again it. said it's going to autocorrect to Winston just call him Winston but Winston is the teeny tiny town in Scotland that's east of Ayr and south of Glasgow where my grandfather Sandy Nair was born oh that's a beautiful so reference I think when I was coming to to the actual appreciation in depth of who Sandy Nair was I thought this mouse is somehow here as a voice or a talisman or something for for Sandy Mayer. So Wiston is what it is. So I trademarked it right off. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's brilliant. And I thought, um, okay, here you are. Welcome to the world. Okay, so that's very smart <laughs> to have trademarked that. I never would have thought to do that, but that's brilliant. Well, I just was again, it's one of those things, those intuitive things. Mm-hmm. I thought I don't really want to be only identified as this mouse's person, mm-hmm. but it's actually been something that's worked for me to have that be as an identifier. Mm-hmm. And any of my Instagram, any of my letters, any of my, there is that that that's been helpful because people have really been able to engage with that aspect they seem to know me through him and you know that's that's the way it's going so wow so okay the business side of it how did you figure out it's time to start an Instagram account it's time to put myself out there it's time to start with the branding and actually really taking kind of next steps. How did that all start for you? When did you kind of start thinking of it more as a business? Well, I think, trying to think of when I opened my Facebook 
page, mm-hmm. my, my business Facebook page. Instagram was early days. Yeah. And I really just thought, do it. Just, you know, there, there can be no mistakes. You can figure it out later as you go. You can tidy up your account. You can, uh, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I get a bit unnerved by the corporate I'm just not sure I'm going to be totally honest about oh I'm there with you all of that (laughs) but I just I thought uh, you know there's all the and Instagram worked for me because it wasn't as wordy I perceived and as like friendly connected I'm just not sure I I went I put my my emphasis on my Instagram account have kept my Facebook business page. Mm-hmm. I liked the fact that I could use Linktree on my Instagram account. Yeah, uh, which made sense as a driver to my website and my Etsy site. And I just thought I'm going to figure this out as I go. My photographs will be better. My communication will be better. But there is there there's no better time to be a beginner than when everybody else has been a beginner too. That's a really smart approach. So I just, and I, again, I've, I've had a real, um, I think maybe because of my age, I'm not sure, but the wisdom of, uh, it's never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your drawings, your cooking, your wh- whatever it is that you perceive you want to, to be better at, you, you, you can't get to be better until you start not being good at the beginning. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And with you know, social media and all that stuff, a big driver for that is a sense of community and artists supporting each other and getting connected across, you know, from Europe to Canada, from the States to Asia, you know, there's this connectedness online. How important has community been to you for getting your business going, keeping you motivated with your art? It's been huge for me because I was a nurse for 35 years. Mm-hmm. So where is my art community? I, I didn't I didn't know. Yeah. And I think one of the, the big things for me early on, about four years ago, was joining the Thrive group out of Vancouver. And I, I'm trying to think of where I even found out about them. I think it might have been through the Jealous Curator, through Daniel Krissa. I think I've been aware of who influencers are in my life always. And I think that I had a sense that I think that Daniel Chris's message is so important because she's written books on your inner critic is a big jerk. And I think in, in even doing her podcast, and I thought there was an opportunity she was coming to Vancouver. She's done something called Girl Crush. Uh, and what she does is is there's small groups of women that get together, and again it's it's um, women identifiers. So it's just a different energy with women. Yeah. Um. In uh, not a judgment, it just is that mm-hmm. kinder, softer, more supportive. Mm-hmm. And so she was doing a girl crush in Vancouver, and I think that I really wanted to go to it. I wanted to meet her. Actually, I wanted to look her in the eye and tell her that she was doing a good job and to keep going. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think yeah. um. I tried to get a ticket, couldn't get one. They had to do a lottery. It was so successful wow. to, to, to get just the group of people that were there. 
I think I would have sold my firstborn child <laughs> to do it. And uh, I'm not letting your firstborn child yeah. listen to this part. Okay. <laughs> Some our little secret. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think there was an opportunity because I didn't get in. I didn't get in on the lottery. Mm. Um, but I had just done everything I could to make that happen initially to get a ticket. I didn't want to miss out. Uh, and to, to not drag this story out, but I ended up getting a ticket. It was oh just a complete fluke of things. And I think that that's how I met the Thrive community cohort because it was mm. the, the Mastermind Thrive group. And I joined immediately. And I, I found that in my age group too, there was a lot of do less, retire, back away from. And I really felt a strong urge to just be getting going. And I needed... I needed to learn the skills and find out where my my answers could be, my questions could be answered mm. through the how do you, where do you, you know, do all this. Yeah. And, and my mastermind um, connections were fantastic through the Thrive Art Group. And there was, there's Thrive members all over the world. Really? And they, there was a group in Victoria. I've met some lovely people through that. And again, this is women supporting women. Mm. This is cooperation over competition. And it's been fantastic. And do they have a physical location? Or is this all like a group that is organized online and then people will meet at different spots to connect and support each other? It was both. And I think when COVID hit, we used to gather at the Profile Studio in Vancouver. Okay. But there also is an online component. So if you live in Sweden, Mm -hmm. the groups are always kept small, 10 to 12 people. And you meet once a month. And you go through a series of questions. Where are you? What do you need help with? You know, what are you proud of? What do you, I mean, just, and, and what have you learned? And w- what shows are you in? And so I think when COVID hit, we couldn't meet in person anymore. Yeah. We had to go online. And I think even within the last few months over the summer, we just, everybody's had to press pause and say, gallery showings are canceled. Everything is canceled. Where do we go from here? So it's a new and I don't even want to use the word normal. It's not a new normal. It's just a new, we're going to have to learn some new ways of connecting, communicating, showing, sharing, asking those questions. And normally we would be starting up probably again a meeting in September. And it's different every year. You're, you're paired up with different people every year. So it's a really, so I'm not sure what, what mm-hmm. is going to happen after that. But the network still exists. And the, the networking and friendships that you make, I've made, have just been invaluable. And, and whether you're 22 or 82, you know, there's women of all ages and, and everybody doing everything throughout this, right, from ceramics to jewelry to painting to anything. Yeah, I was going to ask how it's paired up because are you often paired up with someone who is also doing watercolors or could you be in a conversation with someone who does jewelry for instance or someone else who perhaps their medium is you know uh, graphic design or something else totally it's all it's it's everything and a lot of the challenges that we all have as artists are the same you know again how do you show your work how do you deal with your your lack of confidence how do you deal with with licensing how do you deal with disappointment Mm -hmm. how do you deal with pricing how do you yeah. deal with all it doesn't matter what you're doing so it's 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 not a single if you do this format you're and you you they've also got an online network where you can put a question out to people does anybody know mm. who's a printer who's a you know um, anybody got any challenges or any it's and, and so it's helpful that way as well 
And through Thrive and through your connections with that community, has that opened the door for you to do more collaborative projects? And have you ever taken advantage of those opportunities to collaborate with other artists? Well, interestingly enough, I'm doing a little collaboration with somebody, but I'm not, they're not part of my Thrive group. Interesting. Okay. I think, but that's the Instagram. Oh. Um, So you, I, I just think the world is way smaller than you think yeah and I think that sales and collaborations can happen just about anywhere in Mm -hmm. any format because we we don't have to be in person yep Uh, so it's it wasn't through Thrive but um, there have been ones through Thrive interesting um, and there always are you know showings and and opportunities that that you hear about because you work away in your studio on your own mm-hmm. and you kind of feel feel a little bit like you're saying hello is there anybody else out there yeah so the relationships can be networked through all sorts of sources absolutely yeah because that is one part about at least a lot of art is that it can be you know done a lot of the time on your own and it's nice that you've found a network where you can talk about your art with other artists who understand the process who understand the grind of it and all that but also to get inspired to keep going because that's another thing I wanted to ask you about was how do you stay motivated where do you get your ideas how does that all happen for you the inspiration of it well, it's funny you actually say that. I, I remember being told as a little kid that I had a very vivid imagination. Same and I, here. I think that I, I heard that was to be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure what to do with that vivid imagination. Mm. But I think that I'm rarely at a loss. I've been lucky that way to be inspired by something. And if I'm curious, curious to learn about something, curious to find out, curious to research it, I I see that as a as a gift to have my vivid imagination, but I think that there's times where you feel a little bit eek, uh, the well is dry. What yeah. what do I do about it? And I think that's the, the the question that we would often ask ourselves, even in the in the groups that you're in, if if you're connected with other artists, what do you do when you you have no no new ideas? There's no <laughs> new material. Yeah, uh, and. People come up with all sorts of suggestions. If you're a if you're a jeweler, take a painting class. Mm. Um, go sit on a beach and draw something. Like there's ways to get out of our head and back into our flow. Mm-hmm. If we ask that question of other artists as well. So other than art, where would you say your go-to spot is? Whether it's a physical location or whether it's another art form to kind of get inspired change things up and come back and regroup you know and oh, i love these questions i <laughs> think um one of the things i've recognized over the years a for, for sure go outside yes. be outside and shut everything off mm. uh, shut off any devices any yep. noise and i think if you can resist at points picking up a pencil or picking up just actually sit there and look yeah and I've often even said to people, go for a walk and look for s- six blue things, six round yellow objects. If you have okay. to dial your mind into a really clear space to receive new information, you can prompt it to do things that clear the deck and start mm. fresh. 
Uh, those have worked for me. I think, yeah, silence is a big one. I think another thing that I love to do, I haven't been able to do it lately, if you go to a really busy place, a really busy place where no one knows you, I love airports. I love uh, that too. That's one of my favorite, like, I don't know, escapist thoughts or dreams and ideas is just going to like either an airport or a massive city no one knows where I am and I'm just like a little mouse speaking of mice mm -hmm. scurrying around no one knows me I love that mm -hmm. watch people yes. just sit there and take it all in mm. uh, and then we'll do, do a big busy airport or a, big, yeah. a busy city you I know, guess it's been a minute street. since yeah. we've done that I'm, I'm like now thinking I'm like actually we haven't done that for months and months <laughs> but I think that's it's a dream hard on people it has yes. been hard on people to, to go to some of these things these these places that fulfill them whether it's mm -hmm. meeting a, a friend for, at a coffee shop and then that delicious half hour you show up ahead of time and no one's oh, there yeah. uh, I think it's been been all the natural things that we would have done have been hard on and I would say probably hard on artists uh, yes. just hard on everybody you know hard on everyone but yeah. yeah definitely I think as artists we definitely take a lot of energy and inspiration from social connection and even that doesn't even have to necessarily be a conversation but that could even just be watching social connection play out in front of you absolutely you, right? you you've seen that movie um love actually yes and you know who, we watch it every christmas oh yeah i mean those little squares that get bigger and bigger with every square that they do with the interactions at an airport go to the arrivals mm -hmm. and, and just watch and uh, there's just enough you know uh, inspiration there to, to last a lifetime yeah definitely yeah. it's great that that you take inspiration and appreciate the moments of quiet especially right now during COVID mm -hmm. I know it's been an adjustment for me as a writer to kind of pivot where how I take a reprieve from writing how I get more inspiration I've definitely taken the I'm going to read and watch and talk to people on the phone nonstop and kind of get this like overload of information but I've also really appreciated those weekends and moments when I just kind of get away into the woods and go for a hike and when it's I been an adjustment. It's, it's not a normal state for us because no. we're such social creatures and I think we pick up our device, we yes. open our computer, we're so rarely alone mm -hmm. where we're not doing too many things at once. And I, I think that that's, if there's lessons to be learned in, in this, it's that. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe not to be afraid of that silence, uh, afraid of that, uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to sit alone without anything for, t without anything for, for 10 minutes. And if you close your eyes and take away that other visual sense and listen uh, and just sit there and say, name eight noises that you hear and mm. not beyond the car and not beyond the siren but keep dialing it down dialing it down I think that these are probably good mindful things for us to practice more of mm. and not to be afraid of them so yeah interesting times absolutely now I absolutely love your Christmas cards my mom and I are all over <laughs> my mom is Thank constantly you. like I need there's another holiday coming up I need to get cards from Sandy how did you kind of start advertising other than social media just in the community your cards your art like 
what was that whole process like really starting to kind of bring in clients and and watching those interactions take place well I think it's a scary process for sure Mm. and I think uh again when you work as a nurse you don't know anything about printing or paper or anything that's a big learning curve Uh, I think there's no to me there's no no foolish question I know that I I thought I'm drawing this what do I do with this drawing where do mm. I take this drawing? What happens next with this drawing? And I would get people that would say, is that a car? Do you, do you sell those? Do you? Oh. So if you're out with your work, people will ask you that question. Oh, you're an artist. Oh, you're a writer because you're writing. If, yeah. you know, I'm sure if you've got a pen and paper in front of you and you're writing, people say, oh, are, y- are you going to school or are you a writer? So if you start to say, oh, actually, and I had somebody on Instagram, one of my first clients mm. was somebody who absolutely fell in wa- love with one of my images of Whiston and said, can I buy a print? And I thought, that's fantastic. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, no, you can't. I, not d- yet. I don't know how to do that. And I think <laughs> that was the other thing is you say, oh, I think I'm supposed to know how to do this mm. and I'm supposed to have a storefront before I start showing my work. You can do it in any order, in my opinion. Totally. And I think I went to a printer and I said, right off the hop, I know nothing about paper. I know nothing about printing. I know nothing about this. I don't know how much this is going to cost. And I was really lucky to get somebody in town here in Nanaimo who just treated me like royalty. And, And they talked to me about different weights of paper and folds and A4s and A2s and when I approached a store in Paris, which was a very lucky opportunity for me, but I did have some of my work with me. And when I went in and, and I was with my daughter and bless her heart said, I think you should just approach them about selling your work here. I thought, okay, all they can do is say no. So the woman in that store was fantastic because she said, love your work in French interpreted my daughter because my French is pretty weak brilliant daughter um, and uh, she said don't like this paper don't like this you'll want to do this you want to do that and so when I came home I had to create an invoice for her I had to again get linen paper that she wanted that she was happy with interesting uh, and she put in a ginormous order so I was wow. really that was a lucky opportunity of me just taking an opportunity and saying uh, this is this is something I'm going to ask the question of. And I think my printers were great. Thrive were great. Uh, I think, uh, how do you list it? What do you price? How do you package? How do you, the, every question you ask has an answer. Interesting. And I, Wiston was helpful in that he was very engaging right from the get-go. Yeah. And the woman who asked for a print begat more. And the minute you're sharing your process of what you're doing, then it the momentum builds. You just keep following that train of questioning and that train of answers mm-hmm. now did you ever get to a point where you thought I really don't know how to do this one thing should I hire someone else to do that have you been able to manage to figure out everything on your own because I think a lot of people they start off as solopreneurs and then they get to that place where they're not sure do I figure this out or do I start outsourcing and become more of an entrepreneur with you know an outsourced team I think actually initially I thought I'm on my own Mm. you know I I thought nobody you're doing this for yourself and you're not sure whether it's going to go but I think for sure fairly early on I thought oh I sure would like some help I would really like someone to be able to 
be that extra pair of hands, but it costs money. And I think that uh, like our life, my life in the last couple of years, because we've sold a house, built a house, and now in earnest having my studio and momentum building, I'm going to figure out what next with COVID and how we, where I go from here, but absolutely for sure do what I love to outsource and, you know, get an intern and have somebody to help me. Uh, already asking that question, yes. When is a good time to do that? I, I'm not sure, but but I know you get to a point where you think I could be doing a better job if I had help. What a fantastic internship, by the way. I feel like there are so many young artists who would, maybe graphic designers, it doesn't even have to be an artist, it could be someone with a different talent who would just be like, they would just run to your doorstep and be like, Sandy, please, I will take it. Yeah, and I hope so. <laughs> I hope we actually do that. And it, often it's this, like you talk about the side hustles, you know, who who needs a job for 10 hours a week? Who who can I impart my knowledge to yeah. about how I've gotten to where I am in the last six years, mm. uh, 10 years, however long I've been at this, and, and the networking I've done globally. Um, exactly. And my work is shared right from Australia to Sweden. Every time I make a sale, I want to go and look on the map and think, where is that place that somebody, and how on earth did they find me? And thank you. You know, just yeah. the, those kinds of things. To me, when I started out with my weaving and spinning, it was craft tables and craft shows, and it was local markets. And now for, for everybody out there, the it's a, it's sky's the limit which is just amazing I think that's it, there's such fantastic opportunities there for artists now what was that feeling like when you realized my art is not just in my home country it is all over yeah I think it's a very powerful experience but I think I also I'm going to be honest enough to say even when my mother was modeling and we as kids modeled she would say to us and to me you know be careful you're you're nothing special and I I thought at the I don't really think I took that in at the time but I think the artist's way and your way your, your perception of getting out of your own way to do your natural she said you happen to be a perfect size you happen to have clothes that can come off the rack and just slide onto your body that's that's luck gift whatever mm -hmm. you're, you're no you just happen to to fit a mold and I I hope I'm not discounting her story her perception of that but I remember her just saying you know this this is a gift you have you know mm. um, you're lucky and I feel with my art if people derive joy from it, I'm lucky. And when that woman reached out and said, and she actually sent me a note the other day about Whiston and said uh, she had a sick grandchild and she just said whenever the kids are upset because apparently they're huge fans of his, her grandchildren. Oh, that's so who, sweet. Who, who know? Because she never met any of these people. So yeah. your, the ripple effect of what you do as an artist, you have no perception of really. And she just said, I you know dragged out the cards and the stories and I told stories about Winston and she said to me she really calmed down and I thought isn't that a powerful feeling but not in the power of it yeah just in the isn't this a gift aren't you lucky that that this effect has this effect on people without you 
knowing about it. Now, I have to ask, because this is a perfect segue, is there a book coming? Because obviously there were stories told about Winston to these children to help calm them down, potentially help them fall asleep. I feel like this is in the cards. <laughs> in draft form. Really? And, and, oh, and I think that the funny thing about him with the gas bladder disease and <laughs> Such a funny uh, story. I think the humor that has come through him, if I feel that there's a message in all this, uh, that the stories are. When I, I first got, when we acquired Otis um, and, and the to to house toilet training all the stories that came from having a new dog in the house. Oh yeah, Winston in the illustration form of that was 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 hugely helpful because to me, when you look at a willow tree and it's pussy willows in the spring, mm -hmm. and you're showing this dog that this is a tree and these are pussy willows on little cats hanging from the tree, was a great exercise for me to learn to see if I could draw that. And when yeah. I was taking French before I was going back to France for a second or third time, and I was <laughs> renewing my acquaintance with the French language, and there was post-it notes all over the house with French words. Oh, my gosh. It was very appropriate that Whiston had put a little post-it note on the back of Otis's behind them, and it said, Derriere. <laughs> so I think that he's a, a way for me to, s to tell a story through in a humorous way. So drafting up that. And that's a learning curve for me, right? I've never written a book. Mm -hmm. um, who do I? How do I? And that's, that's the journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so exciting. And I can't wait to see how this evolves. I think that's amazing. And what I also find incredible is that you did change careers and you've had two successful careers. And you courageously keep trying new things with this business like you know a book potentially even social media even asking that woman at the shop in Paris like that takes incredible courage and I think it's a model for many other people to strive towards as well to just keep putting themselves out there yeah I, I we're not all going to be successes at the top and mm -hmm. I think actually careful what you wish for oh interesting because sometimes what you dream to be is maybe higher than you or more time consuming or mm. more of yourself is exposed when you become well known. I've often wondered whether people wish they could have backed up a little bit and just held it. There's such a growth mentality, you know, bigger, better franchise, yes. you know, I'm just not sure. So I, I would say, be careful what you wish for. But I would mm -hmm. also say, you know, I maybe it was my nursing as well, but you know, I watched a lot of older people live with regret, and they would say, "I wished I could have, I should have, if only I had." And I, I wouldn't say that was a narrative that that was constantly in my mind, but I know that sometimes there are those little aha moments. And I, I you saw Billy Elliot, you saw the the movie Billy Elliot. Well, it's a great story, and I think that when the grandmother says, "I could have been a ballet dancer," I I think probably that scene was a, a powerful moment and it really struck me. And I think I knew I didn't want to retire from life. I think I always wanted to be a lifelong learner. And I think my grandfather, Sandy, who immigrated from Scotland, he probably would have 
done medicine or something. He came to Canada as a 14-year-old, and he worked for the city of Edmonton as a welder for 50 years. But he had every certificate that the Red Cross could could issue to somebody. They, wow. they papered his walls. And when he became blind, he just took up Braille. So he wanted to be able to read still. So I think I come from a family of people that just say, okay, what what's next? And I think I didn't I wanted to say, okay, nursing was finished, but uh, I towards the end of that career, I wasn't going to work to my dying day as a, as a nurse. I loved that job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I there was another chapter in my life for sure that had been percolating away in the background. And time was time was nigh and I think that's a great example too of I think there's a lot of people who feel two ways that you either pick a job that's going to have a good income that's reliable and then you have to put away your dream or you pursue your dream and it's going to be maybe a longer road maybe they're successful maybe it's a little bit more challenging whatever it is but it feels like it's one or the other for a lot of people, this mindset versus I can have this career, I can have that career. It's just about kind of booking in the time and, you know, making choices along the way and trying to incorporate it when it feels right for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that gone are the days of signing up with the, and especially for your generation, the generations that came up after me, you'll live a lifetime of having different jobs and Mm -hmm. and lucky you I think we were I worked as a nurse I loved my job as a nurse but I again I was taking every community course I mean I I I did everything because I didn't go to art school I don't regret not having gone to art school but I think that uh, and I watched my sister go to art school and I I watched how her art evolved out of art school and I had three kids in four years and a husband who worked shift work and we, we needed money. It wasn't an option to say, I, I think I'll go to art school and yeah. I think I hope I'll sell a painting and I think I hope, I, I did my art off the side of my desk in, in coffee breaks at work. I never stopped being an artist mm-hmm. and I think, you know, you have to make money. So whatever you need to do to buy your art supplies and even if that's take a job that allows you to have a salary that, that does that. But I think gone are the days where you pension in to something and not exclusively. But I think if you're an artist, you, you, it's a burn in you. It's just a burn. Yeah. That, and that you, you uh, if you're not careful, that burn will impact other parts of your life. So to order to, to sort of get familiar with that early on, I think... I think is helpful just acknowledging it and then what if what do I do how do I how do I express myself creative whether it's cooking or photography or you know everybody's got a a something that they want to learn more about and get better at absolutely now do you have some advice to young artists aspiring artists people who are trying to incorporate their art more into their life with you know another job that they're trying to balance perhaps well I would say I think 
one of my big pieces is just to keep at it, keep, mm. keep going, keep doing. And I think that get out of the way of your ego. And I think continue to create that body of work. If you're a jeweler and you've got some samples with you, business cards. When I've been on an airplane and sketching and people say to me, are you an artist? Yeah, you, you have to own it. You, you have to say it no matter how uncomfortable that is. Even if your work isn't great, you can say I'm working towards that, getting better, learning, whatever. But I never go anywhere without cards, bookmarks of Wiston. I think you have to keep at it. I think you need to get out of the way and just keep keep exploring that. Yeah. I That's fantastic. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't oh. stop. How can people get in touch with the Thrive community? They can... I think they've got a website perfect, and they've got a way of communicating mm -hmm. and you can probably reach out to them, especially now with COVID. I'm not sure there's a phone number, but for sure you could email somebody at Thrive. Fantastic. Yeah. And for you, where's the best place for people to find you and follow what you are up to? Well, my daily stuff or my pretty, pretty frequent is on Instagram. Okay. I try and post on my stories what I'm doing. I like to share what's on the go. I think that's the way we get that other side of our life exposed and I think if you're sharing what your works in progress are that network to pull back to have people see that work it's building uh, is a is a great way I do have a Facebook page I have a website I have an Etsy shop so purchase because purchases can be done through Etsy and I think now especially with COVID I think if there's any questions or curiosity the best way to reach out probably is through direct messaging on on Instagram or email me and all of those connections are on my my Instagram on my LinkedIn at Perfect. just Sandy Mayer Art. Sandy Mayer Art. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well thank you so much for joining me today. It was so so wonderful to have you on. I loved hearing all your stories and I know I feel very inspired to just put myself out there to own it to just you know be courageous and Take, keep going. Keep, yeah, going. keep going. Absolutely. Keep well going. said. Thanks, Carly. It's been my pleasure. Thanks. That's the end of this episode of Suited Up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to like and rate this episode of Suited Up. I'd love to hear your feedback. Plus, you can follow the podcast account at Suited Up Podcast.